We talked with Dave from Driven about data standards. And if you haven't heard that episode, definitely recommend go back and check it out. Data standards is about how you collect and maintain your data. But once you have your data in place, and hopefully you have those standards, you also need to have standards on how you use your data. So this idea of how you actually manage data is called data governance. And oftentimes data governance encapsulates data standards, as you'll hear in this episode, right? It's about governing the quality and incoming nature of the data. But it's also about how you allow people to access the data or not access the data, or how you understand the interactions between data and how you understand your responsibility as a steward of data to manage it appropriately. So this episode is actually taken from a data summit that Marakanos held um, about a month ago. And we have the distinct pleasure of being able to speak to the Chief Data Strategy Officer of the American Hospital Association. So I had such a great time in this conversation as part of that data summit, I wanted to share it here in the podcast. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Hello, and welcome to Heart, Soul, and Data, the podcast where we explore the human side of analytics to amplify the impact of nonprofits everywhere. With me, your host, Alexandra Mannerings. Hi, Alexandra. I'm Gloria Kupferman. I'm the Chief Data Strategy Officer at the American Hospital Association, the AHA. I've been at the AHA for a little over five years, but I've worked in um, healthcare and um, associations for most of my career, starting out in New York State at the Healthcare Association of New York State, and now at AHA. Um, As Chief Data Strategy Officer, I'm responsible for all of the data strategy around the AHA from how we use our own internal data more effectively to be a data savvy organization, um, analytics that support our advocacy work, Um, and um, surveys that we do of the membership, and then also developing data products and services for our members. And our largest uh, data asset at the AHA actually is our survey data. That's the information, our primary data that we collect from the field. Um, So we are the primary data collector, the primary data source for that information. Most of the other data that we work with that's not taken that's not uh, delivered from our members to us, uh, we are either purchasing or downloading from other resources. So happy to be here to talk about data governance. And as you can see, you have so many different data sources, so many different kinds of data that you're working with. So I'm really excited to be able to dive into this topic with you. And for those who may not be familiar with the term, like what is data governance? So, you know, it's it's a term that's been around a while and a, a practice that's been around a while, but I think it's new to uh, people who work with healthcare data because uh, the healthcare data field is just burgeoning and growing so quickly. But the concept of data governance just is very self-descriptive. And I, this is not a dictionary definition. This is a Gloria Kupferman definition, but it's, it's the rigor that you put around defining your data, having good metadata, having good policies and procedures and practices, um, 
around how you handle your data, how you manage the quality of that data, um, how you um, determine what the, what the single source of truth is when you have multiple versions of the same data element, good data hygiene, making sure you have people responsible for all of your critical data. Again, making sure that the definitions are there, the quality checks are there, um, and and that you've got you know key performance indicators, et cetera. So it's the whole um, you know meta world around data that makes sure that uh, what that you don't end up with garbage in and garbage out. That you maintain your data in in a, a pristine way. That it can that it as as I put it is a hundred percent complete, 100% accurate, 100% reliable, which is a lofty goal. Absolutely. And and I think, like you said, it, it also loops in the data management from a security point of view, too. So depending oh, yes. on the sensitivity of your data, you know, it might be very light data security or it might be quite heavy data security. You know, if you've got uh, personally yeah. identifiable information, financial information, information, you know, about sensitive or vulnerable populations. So that's a lot. It's a lot for someone to think about to try to have all of those things in place. Um, so, like, where would you suggest someone start thinking about uh, data governance? Well, you know, I I think you know there there are lots of ways to, to paths to get into the middle here. Um, it is definitely eating an elephant, especially if you have a, a large amount of of data from multiple sources. Um, you know, where we ended up starting at the AHA was through the internal audit process. So essentially, we had um, experts, subject matter experts from our internal auditing firm come in and um, ask folks the right questions. Do you know what the data strategy is? Do you know where to go for this? Do you know, do where is this information kept? How many different, you know, um, how many different um, offline practices do you have in the organization? And um, that is a big thing. I think that a lot of people don't realize happens that is that people will take pictures of or, or subsets of critical data elements, put them in an Excel worksheet or a Word document, trademark, um, and then that becomes their source of truth and the data can be move on and they're still working with a snapshot. So we did, we did an internal audit. They pointed out um, where all of our weaknesses were. They pointed out what the action plan should be. And it really came down to setting up a governance structure, a data governance council mm -hmm. um, that, um, ident that represents that all of the business units around the organization, mm -hmm. what their business needs are for data, what are their critical data elements, what's most important to them, what has to be 100% uh, complete and accurate, and then um, establishing, uh, identifying where the primary source of that information is, who's responsible for checking and updating that information, or we, uh, the term the term is a data steward. Who is the data steward? Who is responsible? Who do we turn to when we have a problem? Um, have have identified quality checks for those data elements. 
um, security levels, I, I, as you said, you know, identifying security levels, and then um, establishing processes and procedures for the data stewards as to how they are going to manage their data, training for mm -hmm. everyone around the organization so they know where they're supposed to go and how they're supposed to access data, how they're supposed to report data discrepancies. Um, I, like I said, it's like eating an elephant mm -hmm. or, or untying a, a, a very complicated knot. It's never done and it's mm -hmm. never done. No, that's a really good point. And, and I think you're exactly right. It has to start with, well, what data do you have to govern? Right, like that's the first point that you were saying that what really is out there. And I love the call out of how many different branches have been created off of the original data source. And it's amazing how often that happens. I mean, I've talked to nonprofits where I say, what's your most common way of like sharing and accessing data? And they'll be like, email. And so they'll take a file, drop it into an email and send it to someone or yeah. copy the piece out and email it. And as soon as they do that, you said it's been divorced from that original source. So if the original source changes, those changes don't propagate and, and reach all of those other fragmentations. So yeah. you, you get a sense of the data that you have and all the places that the, that data is gone, um, then understand of that data, how much of that data is secure, who should be responsible for it, who should be able to access it. And then I like that you got to the, the Data Governance Council, right? Who should be overseeing all of these decisions that need to be made? Because like you said, it never ends. And so you need to have someone or a group of people who can represent the interests of the data and the people represented in the data uh, to be able to, to guide those decisions and, and choices along the way. Um, since it is such a complicated knot, what are some common mistakes that people might make around data governance? Um, uh, I, I, I've made it, I've made so many, and I'm not done making mistakes. And I, I, you know, so I don't know what the common mistakes are. I know some of the mistakes we've made. Um, you know, it's first and foremost, it's it's about communication, communication, communication. So one of the real reasons to set up that governance structure and have all of the business units stakeholders in on the governance process is because they need to evangelize this throughout the organization. So, um, you know, I think we started out and it was almost like it was a double secret project and that doesn't work. Everybody has to know you're working on this and everybody has to start using some common terminology and get used to that common terminology. So, you know, that concept of a single source of truth and and the change management, which is, is excruciating because people fall back into bad habits very quickly. So the change management to, to stop all those offline practices and to train people to go to the right place again and again. Um, and our common, our, I won't say common mistake, our mistake is, is that there are so many things that have to move in tandem. You can't tell people, this is where you need to go for this information if it's really hard to get the information you need from that way. So, um, you know, we have an association management system. We have a customer relations management system. We have a lot of systems of record. Um, and, you know, the typical, uh, you know, information user is not an analyst and they're certainly not a database analyst. So to 
try to get them to query information out of a system makes no sense. So you have to have a front end that makes it easy and practically delightful, not only for people to take information out, but to put the information in. And that's the reason, you know, I think that particularly in an association, particularly where you deal in relationships and where you're trying to record um, some of that unstructured information, um, it's very, very hard to, to get people to, to input the information correctly and care about it. So that's still communication, communication, and we're not done. We haven't done that a hundred percent or really well yet. No. And, and that point of the buy-in from the very beginning that everyone understands this is something that's being done. They understand what their role is and how they're going to be able to contribute their ideas and, and what they think about it. And I love that you talked about data governance isn't just for the end users. It isn't just for the analysts. It does, isn't just for the data entry. It's for everybody who touches anything along a data right. life cycle, right? From the very original creation of the data set or a piece of data, an element of the data, all the way to that final end user, whether that's the CEO getting his report or whatever it might be. Um, so that's a really good point that you have to have all of those stakeholders on board and all talking to each other in the same way. I mean, whether it's using the same terms for the same field, right? <laughs> you know, or calling the data set the same thing. You have those shared definitions. Right. And, and it is, it's a team sport. And, um, you know, so many things you mentioned, a lot of key terms that I didn't even touch on. The data life cycle is, is key too. Everybody needs to understand and the data stewards need to be on top of um, if, you know, if a, if a data has expired or outlived its, its useful life, you need to you need to take care of that. It, you know, it needs to be updated on a regular basis. You need to know what that life cycle is of the information, and if you're going to match that data up from multiple sources, which is you know that whole integration thing, um, you need to be able to trust some of those unique keys that you need to have. So um, you know. I, really when you're dealing with healthcare data, and I'm sure this is the same when you're working with a lot of different types of business data, when it's not pure data data, mm -hmm. but even then you need unique keys and they need to be reliable. Um, you can't match based on names. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that it's there's too many different ways that you can mess up the spelling or the spacing or the punctuation. Um, so you have to have that unique key that is is that is um you know all about you know back in the old days we it was indexing right but now it's 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 even with unstructured data you have to be able to link it up somehow and you have to be able to have these pro the processes and procedures that allow you to reconcile when you have discrepancies between two sources for the same data um, which also happens now more and more in the world of big data. You're bringing in information from multiple sources, um, some external, some internal, some manually input, some, you know, some, you know, automated input, and you've got to have a way to bring it all together and reconcile it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And those are 
on never ending ongoing processes. And I think it's easy to sometimes to think, oh, if I just do this once, I do my data cleanup, I deduplicate it. You know, I set up my structure, I set up my data dictionary, and then I'm done, the data can just go. But in fact, it's always ongoing. You're always gonna end up with some conflicting records and have to have a process for deciding which one's the right one and which one's the duplicate that'll be ejected. Um, so yeah, it's, it's that never ending process that you were talking about. Right. So, Probably most of us have some kind of data governance in place, though it may not be very intentional um, or it may not be very complete. So do you have any recommendations for sort of looking around and assessing these elements of, of data governance that we might have and where we might be able to identify, like how we might be able to identify some weaknesses or places that we have gaps? Yeah. So, you know, part that discovery process, you know, again, the internal audit did help a lot. But I know when I first started at the AHA, I did, I went on like my rainbow tour and I met with all of the, I met with all the business owners and said, so, you know, what do you, what do you do? You know, what kind of information are you working with and where do you, how do how do you find, find it? How do you bring it in? You know, is it, are you, is it through a telephone conversation? Are you purchasing external data files, lists? Um, are you, are you um, bringing in claims data or financial data? Um, and then where do you store it? How do you access it? And then what are your pain points about this data? You know, and then, and that's where every, everybody has complaints about how, you know, well, you know, every time, um, you know, finance brings in a new file, you know, it, it you know, the, the, some people enter state full names, some people enter state postal codes, you know, crazy stuff like that. And that's where you find out um, where the processes break down. Everybody thinks they have the right processes in place, but they're not across the business units. They may not be uniform. So um, that that's a, a big place to start to look. And then, you know, there are large data sets, like I said, at least at the AHA, we purchase a lot of data about hospitals from government entities, et cetera. They've got their own rules. And then you just, and, and you can't change their rules and you're not going to change their data because, you know, you're getting it every quarter. You can't change it every quarter. So you have to do that reconciliation process, but it all has to be documented um, you know, it has to be, you know, it, it, it can't be a, a company secret. It's got to be documented. You have to have the processes and procedures in place. It has to be clear and you have to train people. Yes. I think sometimes that last step gets missed the most often, especially when someone goes through a big effort, you know, as an organization, they figure out the data sources they have, they put processes in place for maintaining those data sources, both keeping them secure and keeping them high quality. They document them, right? Hopefully they write them all down somewhere, but then, you know, their analyst leaves and a new analyst comes on or they, they expand a new role. They add, you know, a, a, a new client manager or something like that. And that person never sees those policies or, or just gets handed a document. No one explains right. it um, or there's they're not enforced. They're not followed up of making sure that everyone really does know it and is following those procedures so that that can be a really common, common breakdown point. Right. You know, you don't even realize it because it's it's like the elves are all behind the scenes just making things happen. And they're, you know, and you don't you don't realize you have a problem until somebody points up a problem. 
And um, that was the other thing that that we did is, is in addition to our data governance council, we have a separate data quality committee, which is really made up of the data stewards. And they are, um, so they can compare notes and they can bring up crazy esoteric issues about the data that nobody else would even know or care about, but are really important to resolve and all agree upon. And uh, we have now um, uh, 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 on our intranet site, uh, uh, a link that anybody can click on to report a data discrepancy that they've discovered. And then we can triage that and escalate it to the right data steward. Mm -hmm. um, the data cleanup, you know, and, and again, as you said, I mean, you can you can turn yourselves inside out to clean up the data, but in an, a few weeks, it could all be, it could all, you know, be for naught because you did some sort of integration or imported some information from someplace else, or somebody did a quick workaround um and 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 did it in the data source you know because they needed to to look at something a different way and they and they um you know they they corrupted the data that we have um all sorts of things can go wrong um and so a, a good part of data governance as well is making sure even if it's not hipaa or privacy protected that you have good access controls and that um, only you know those who need to be able to 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 read and write the to the data are able to do so. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important. And and you brought up a good point that there's sort of two two halves of the data. There's I don't know the soft skills around the data of um, you know what are what do we want to do with the data? What are we trying to achieve? What are the goals driving it? You know what are the ethics around using it? Making sure that you know you're following. Um, state rules that that have come in and things like that. And then there's these really technical pieces, you know, that and those two groups may not necessarily want to be the same group because right. you might have people going down some really deep rabbit holes, really complicated discussions that maybe the higher level folks don't need to necessarily be part of, but you might need those higher level folks be having, you know, more political discussions about what data is okay to release or not to release or right. um, which the technical folks may not necessarily be comfortable weighing in on either. So I think that's a really good point of having sort of those two two separate groups together and then having checks in place to find out when something goes off the rails. Right. As it inevitably right. does. Right. You know, and I mean, at AHA, we have a real mix, right? We have unstructured data, we have names, dates, we have, um, you know, titles, and we have, you know, long discourses in, in text fields about a phone call conversation that took place. But then we have the hard data, you know, um, financial data, um, you know, beds, stays, etc. Um, but it, it 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 it's all it all has uses and it's all important and so you have to you know you have to know who's using what and why um, again the access matters that the life cycle matters some some information changes very infrequently you know a hospital name doesn't change very often but um, you know their their financials change quarterly. and um, you know some of the employees in the hospital change on all irregular cycles. Um, so all that contact information changes. Um, so you, you really do have to have to be clear on that. And we also have, um, and, and this is probably pretty common too, is 
uh, date, you know, data from multiple sources that is supposedly the same, okay, but the different sources define that information differently. Okay, so um, using only my 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 window of experience, hospital beds, okay, beds in service, licensed beds, uh, with or without pediatric, with or without. Um, um, bassinets in the nursery with or without um, nursing home beds, many, many different ways that you can count beds. Um, and, you know, depending upon what data source you're going to, the field name may still be beds. So even reconciling something like that is a big job for a data steward to make sure that when somebody is working with the, um, the data, that the metadata is there that can describe exactly what it is you're getting so that you're sure you know what you're using and that you're using the right stuff. Uh, metadata could be a whole conversation of its <laughs> own and it's so important, right? right? Understanding the information about your data. What right. does this field actually mean? What does this field contain? And what are the limitations of right. the data or how is it collected? How is it calculated? What's contained and what's not contained? Now, right. those are all incredibly good points. So I mm -hmm. think each element of data governance deserves its own little piece of, of or its own probably call out session. But I think this has been a really great introduction to the concepts that all go into it and hopefully gets people oriented to the things that they should be thinking about. Maybe people haven't thought about who should be accessing their data or maybe they haven't thought about standardizing how that data is coming in, or they haven't been thinking about all of the branches that may have been fracturing off of their main data sources and that that's something that actually does need to be controlled and managed in order to maintain the integrity of the data that you do have. So thank you so much for your time today and for this incredible conversation. Oh, thank you too. It's a team sport. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Alexandra. Thanks, perfect. You've been listening to Heart, Soul, and Data. This podcast is brought to you by Miraconos, an analytics, education, consulting, and data services company dedicated to helping nonprofits amplify their impact through data. Learn more at Miraconos.com, M-E-R-A-K-I-N-O-S.com. Thank you.